On the fringes of the European Parliament, a war is being waged against the use of COVID vaccine passes to exclude the unvaccinated or untested from public places. Those campaigning against the passes claim it's all about personal freedom and bodily autonomy. What is happening right now? This will stay in history. Since the Second World War, the parliaments were not abused the way they are abused right now. Their critics say the campaign masks more extreme views and contributes to vaccine scepticism in countries where vaccine uptake is low. This is fooling the people and I think that with these words brings that basically. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Connor Pope. Today, the Romanian MEP and the Irishman fighting against EU COVID rules. What's their campaign really about? Irish Times Europe correspondent Naomi O'Leary has been following the story and talking to some of the central players. Naomi, I wonder if you could start by giving us a bit of context here. What is this story about and why is it important? I think what's important about this story is the realisation of something which I think we began to see earlier this year. Certain politicians using vaccines and people's fears around vaccines to gain more support for themselves. During times of change, it's easy for people to feel uncertain, particularly when they're experiencing the kind of isolation that many people have gone through during the pandemic. And so this creates conditions that are really ripe for some politicians to exploit. So what we've seen now is in the European Parliament, a group of MEPs who are of all different political groups. The one thing that unites them is they're all kind of fringe figures. They weren't particularly well known until now, but they've banded together and they're focusing on vaccination and particularly vaccination rules as a kind of rallying cry. And they're gaining a lot of attention for it. A whole new audience has kind of opened up for them with this. We are on the same side from different countries and we support exactly the same thing. The respect for fundamental rights of every person working for the parliament and of every European citizen. Most of the time they kind of couch their main issue as an objection to mandatory vaccination. But if you scratch the surface, they are tapping into people's fears about vaccination in general. I will not be vaccinated with anything that has not been properly vetted and tested and has shown no sound scientific evidence that the benefits outweigh the disease itself. It doesn't take very long when you're talking to these people to quickly find out that there's almost nothing that they won't question. They question death figures. They question how many people the disease has killed. They question governments. They question scientists. They question the motivations behind the vaccination. There's no amount of evidence which will convince. One of the MEPs who's taken a stance against things like vaccine passes is Romanian MEP Christian Teres. Now, you interviewed him and we're going to hear a bit of that interview in a minute. But first, please tell us something about Christian Teres. Who is he? Christian Teres used to be in the centre left and he switched to be over in the right wing in the European Parliament. Now he is distinguishing himself as a kind of rabble rouser about vaccination. He campaigns over Facebook in particular, particularly in the Romanian language. He attends rallies. He posts these sort of monologues to Facebook where he talks about vaccination and he gives out about the curtailment of freedoms. The sort of rallying cry of what he's campaigning about is that he's against the COVID-19 certificate, the certificate that you show 
all around Europe to demonstrate vaccination, that you've tested negative for COVID-19 or that you've recovered from the disease, which is a key part of how governments are trying to facilitate the return to more normal life during the pandemic. He views this as an infringement on his rights. And what he's staged is a series of kind of stunts, really, where he enters the European Parliament and he refuses to show them a COVID-19 certificate. I'm not vaccinated. I don't have a green certificate. I never had one. Which is required on entry to the European Parliament. So he confronts security staff. He shouts about EU treaties and human rights, kind of belittles the staff as well. Who are you? Who elected you here? Nobody. Do you see? That's the difference. And, you know, they just let him through. They say, well, like, we, we're not going to physically stop you from coming in, but we'll just have to write a report about this. But it's mostly to gain attention uh, for what he's doing. And it's very effective because these clips of his stunts have gone quite viral online, uh, particularly among Romanian language users. Romania has the second lowest vaccination rate in the EU. It's only around 40%. Uh, so doubts about vaccination in general are very, very prevalent there. Uh, so far, you've been successful in entering without the pass. Is that correct? Yes, I was able to enter the parliament. I had to argue with the security guard. I wanted to try to pin down what the source is of Mr. Terra's opposition to vaccination. And you yourself are not vaccinated, is that right? I am not vaccinated, yes. Is, is there a particular reason why? It's just my decision. I kind of tried to pin him down on whether or not he would accept the overwhelming scientific evidence that vaccines cut deaths. Do, do you think that the vaccine works and protects people? Well, it's a matter of, you know, a personal choice. That's what the, that's what the Charter of the Fundamental Rights of the European Union states, that no medical product should be imposed on people. He's very, very reluctant to say what his actual view is on that, whether vaccines work or not. So will you tell me, as a public figure, an influential person, will you tell me why you won't get vaccinated yourself? Do you not believe in the vaccine? Is that your position? It's not a matter of belief. I believe in God. I don't believe in vaccine. Uh, he gets quite shouty sometimes in our conversation. You know, he's he's a passionate guy. And again, I don't have to argue my personal decisions in front of, in front of anybody. Yes, I am not vaccinated. Why I'm not vaccinated, that's a personal decision. I had a couple of sort of points to make to him. One was that he should make clear, should he not, his view on vaccination. Because by not saying that he acknowledges scientific evidence of efficacy, then people can draw their own conclusions about what he thinks about it and that he should be clear and he should say exactly why he himself won't take a vaccine. This is a medical decision. Look, I'm an elected official. I'm not a doctor. It is not my job to say if a vaccine is working or it is not working. I felt that, you know, he was really, really trying to stick to the party line that this was just about freedom of choice, but he couldn't resist going into, you know, straying into the arena of misinformation. He started to sort of, uh, to talk about side effects. If the vaccines are saving or are not saving life, you know, life, I mean, depends from what perspective you're looking at. Because the official statistics are showing that uh, plenty of people die spontaneously. This is what Emma is showing in many of these reports. After they receive the vaccine, plenty of people have secondary effects. Of course, there are side effects from vaccines. But, you know, the regulators um, monitor those side effects. And the net benefit is clear for everybody based on the data. 
that you're, you know, less, you're more likely to remain healthy if you get one because it protects you from this serious illness during a pandemic. We don't live in a European Union anymore. This is similar to the Soviet Union system. So wh- we need to decide. Will you do, t- we need, do we live in a union that respects the fundamental rights and the, the choices? My fear talking to people like this is, though, he has a number of talking points that he wants to get out there. And I know that he wants to use journalists like me just to get a bigger audience for those talking points. So if I if I publish that, even to say Christian Terrez is saying something that's not true or that's misleading or something, that doesn't matter to him that much because his aim is to reach people who have doubts and have fears and to vindicate you know, the concerns that they have so that they can look to him and see someone who's saying, actually, yes, you're right. You can question this. You can question the science. And, and in return, he gets support and he gets he gets fame as a, as a politician. As well as speaking to Christian Teres, he also spoke to his Irish press officer, Herman Kelly, a man from Derry. Now, Herman Kelly is better known in this part of the world as the president of the far-right Irish Freedom Party and as a proponent of Ireland leaving the European Union. He seems like an unusual choice to work in the European Parliament. Yeah, well, um, Herman Kelly has ample experience working in the European Parliament because he's the former press officer for Nigel Farage, who was an MEP for UKIP for a long time. I asked him whether there was any irony in taking an EU salary, which he does, as an official accredited assistant to an MEP now. And he told me that he didn't think there was any irony, although he didn't think he was paid enough EU money. Herman Kelly was the person who kind of got me interested in this whole story, because I think it shows that you have opportunists who have other issues uh, that they have made their political careers on, now viewing an opportunity, now viewing a new sort of gap in the market, as it were, in politics at a time when people are concerned and anxious going through a difficult time with a pandemic and some people have concerns about vaccination and the attendant sort of health measures that are being taken to try and curb this disease. Um, So I became interested in what exactly he was doing, especially when I found out that he was working for a Romanian MEP, which was just really random. And you interviewed him very recently. Can you tell me a little bit about that interview and the circumstances surrounding it? Yeah, we had a chat. I called him up to ask him about his new job, um, the campaign that he's part of. On social media, uh, he's starting to get massive hits. I'm talking about millions. Oh, yeah? Uh, millions per clip. Was it about a month ago? He had three and a half million views on Facebook in one week. As a staff member in the European Parliament, he is challenging the COVID pass requirements through the European courts. He has a current exemption from having to show a COVID pass on the way into the European Parliament, but he does have to show a negative test. And, and have you have you actually uh, had a vaccine against COVID-19? No, no, I haven't. I, I have had COVID twice and I've recovered very, very quickly. Three days max on both occasions. All I had to do was take paracetamol. So I'm, I have a very good immune system. And when, but my, when was it my your opposition, second infection? Sorry, again? When, when was your um, second infection? Was that recent? Yes, it was. It was was at the weekend. This weekend? Well, I'm actually in quarantine right now. I've got it right now. So, 
yeah, he actually had COVID when I was talking to him, which explained why he was kind of coughing and hoarse. He's still, while being an assistant in the European Parliament, he's still head of the Irish Freedom Party. And the Freedom Party had planned some rallies in a number of Irish towns uh, that weekend, which he had to pull out of, I guess. It was interesting to see the poster that was advertising those rallies. It was describing vaccination as apartheid, the COVID pass as apartheid, and casting doubt on uh, COVID-19 death figures. So did you figure out why Herman Kelly ended up working for Christian Teres? What was the draw apart from the EU salary? Yeah, I mean, I understand why Herman Kelly and Christian Teres are focusing on the COVID-19 pass, because there are people who have qualms about it. And that goes much broader than people who are opposed to vaccination. People, you know, that's why that's the focus of that campaign, because it has the broadest appeal. Um, for example, you know, the Belgian Prime Minister, Alexander de Croo, he said that he's really not sure about the use of this pass and, you know, various, various politicians for libertarian reasons and also for tactical reasons have objections to mandatory vaccination. It's, it's not confined to people who, you know, don't believe facts and don't believe science and reject that COVID-19 is real and so on. It's common to those people, but it's not it's not exclusive to them. So that's why they're taking this campaign. There is a civil liberties argument about it. There are the, the fears that people have are to do with when new powers are put in place, then it can be difficult to roll back from them again. If we think about, for example, the like special policing powers that came in after 9-11 in various places or, you know, checks at airports like taking off your shoes, which just continue on, you know, things can be adopted to deal with a short-term emergency and then end up hanging around for a lot longer. Having said that, many of the objections to the COVID pass are not based in real facts. So for example, there is a privacy concern about it, about, you know, that it may track where you go and show if you're going into a restaurant or here or there. And that isn't the case because the design of this thing, none of your information goes into any centralized database. It just stays on your phone. All it is, is the equivalent of carrying a certificate around. There's just a, a code on your phone which show, which communicates with a machine through a QR code. There, it's, it's not collecting data about you, as it were. What level of support does Christian Teres and I suppose Herman Kelly have for their position amongst MEPs? My impression is that they are very, very marginalised among their fellow MEPs. Many MEPs that I've talked to, rather than wanting to drop the COVID pass as a requirement, they want stricter measures on going into the European Parliament. There's a particular annoyance at this group that they've rejected the testing you know, if they, if, if they don't want to get a vaccine for this reason or that, it's one thing. But then if they also refuse to even show that they're not infectious right now, I think that's also offensive to the people who have to walk, work alongside them. Have any Irish MEPs aligned themselves with uh, Christian Teres and Herman Kelly? Herman Kelly told me that he had approached the Irish MEPs, uh, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace, and he had asked them to join him in doing this stunt of entering the European Parliament without showing the COVID pass. And he calls it the walk for freedom. So he, he said that Claire Daly and Mick Wallace had been the first to agree to join with Christian Terhez and do this. Now, I tried to check this with Claire Daly and Mick Wallace and they refused to comment. They didn't get back to me. But certainly this is what Kelly says. He says that Daly and Wallace support Terhez on this. Coming up... Why one European country has the lowest vaccination rate in Europe? 
Christian Teres is from Romania, where, as you pointed out, COVID vaccinations are much lower than they are in this part of the world and deaths are much higher than they are here in Ireland or in other Western European countries that have high vaccination rates. Another country with a very low vaccination rate is Bulgaria, Romania's neighbour. Now, Bulgaria has the EU's highest COVID-19 death rate at the moment with 327 deaths per million people over the last fortnight. That's 20 times Ireland's rate. You also spoke to a Bulgarian MEP, Peter Vitanov. What did he tell you about why Bulgaria has such a low rate of vaccinations? The way that Peter Vitanov described it to me was a kind of bad luck in terms of how things played out. There are many reasons for that. First, I will start maybe a year ago when the former government decided to rely on only on one type of vaccines. By that time, we didn't manage to diversify the risk, so we ordered 75% from AstraZeneca only. The last government made a decision that really didn't pay off well for them, which was to bet everything on AstraZeneca vaccine. They chose to uh, decline mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, in favour of AstraZeneca because at the time it seemed like a wise choice. AstraZeneca was cheaper, much easier to store. It doesn't need to be deep frozen. But this really infected the rollout of their initial campaign because there were dreadful delays with the production of AstraZeneca and the delivery. They, they fell dramatically short of what they were supposed to deliver to the EU. Then there was more bad luck. There was a scare about AstraZeneca side effects um, there, you know, there was various things. The delays in themselves, in themselves, kind of created a bad image for the company. There were some concerns about the effectiveness, about the mm. possible side effects, especially for elderly. Mm. And, uh, Everything kind of combined to sort of discredit vaccination in those early days. You asked Peter Vitanov whether there could be any historical reason for Bulgaria having a low uptake of vaccines and he said there wasn't. But earlier we'd heard Christian Teres compare the EU's efforts to encourage vaccination to living in the Soviet Union. Do you think that Bulgaria's political history under communism does play a role? Because that history is often given as a reason for low uptake of vaccines by Eastern Europeans here in Ireland, for example. Certainly speaking to Peter Vitanov, I think he really hates that theory and that kind of thing that people say. And I think in general, like many people in Eastern Europe hate to be reduced to this history. And they don't like this attitude that older democracies are sort of more advanced and have more sophisticated citizens and and this kind of thing. If you look at Bulgaria's vaccination rates on things like measles, measles, mumps, and rubella childhood vaccinations. It had perfectly respectable vaccination rates um, up until the pandemic. It rivals or surpasses countries in Western Europe. Um, so it's difficult to, to say, oh, there's this general issue with vaccination because of a mistrust in authorities. They were going through this political turmoil and the government, which was saying, please, you know, come and get your vaccine now, um, that particular government was very discredited. The authorities that were in at that moment in time in power in Bulgaria, they were discredited. They had collapsed under accusations of corruption. Uh, so it's more to do with the current political moment, the political chaos. And then in this sort of vacuum of leadership, bad actors coming in. Um, we have state-sponsored misinformation campaigns about vaccination. And from what Peter Vidanov said, 
misinformation and fake news has just become extremely rife on social media. And this is an opportunity for bad actors to develop audiences for themselves and to make money in many cases. The death rate in Bulgaria when we spoke was 20 times higher than of Ireland. The hospitals are overwhelmed and it's a, you know, it's a really, it's a really bleak situation and I could really hear his frustration. Honestly, I tried in the very beginning to explain you the, the mm. maybe the reasons behind this reluctance. Yeah. But my personal, personally, I really don't understand. Okay. I do not understand this reaction of the people. The, I don't, I don't know what is going on with the whole Bulgarian people here. Do we think that we are the smartest? Do we think that our uh, scores are better than the, the Western Europeans or Americans? I really don't know. I don't know. Maybe we think that we are immortal. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I'm really frustrated when we speak about it. I, I really don't know. I have no explanation. Okay. Stupid. Okay. These people. Okay. But he did end on a positive note. Um, which was currently uh, coalition negotiations are going on in Bulgaria. The parties involved at this point are in favour of encouraging vaccinations. They want to bring in measures to um, get that vaccination rate up. And he believes that there is an opportunity to do that. What did Vitnov say about the actions of his colleagues in the EU parliament, people like Christian Teres? He was really, really scathing about them. I do not accept their position. And this is the probably the most gentle things that I would say about them. Okay. Um, if I and could... I think that this is wrong, and I think that this is fooling the people, and I think that with these words, they bring death, basically. They bring death? Definitely. 100%. Okay. Because there are people who trust them, and those who trust them do not get vaccinated, and they die. They simply fucking die. You went back to Herman Kelly to get his reaction to the criticism. What did you ask Herman Kelly on the, at that stage and what did he say? Well, I wanted to return to Herman Kelly for comment because I was going to be putting in my piece that some MEPs accuse this um, campaign by politicians playing on people's fears about vac- vaccination and about COVID passes as actually, you know, contributing to, to risking people's lives. And as a as a result of this, you know, vulnerable people may die because to, to COVID. We're responsible for what we say, for what people say about us. And Christian has been very strong in that he doesn't talk about <coughs> good or bad or vaccines. What he does talk about is that they're being made mandatory by the state and that this is an attack on people's right to bodily integrity to choose their medical processes that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that they take. But I guess in a circumstance where and, it's a and, pandemic and, and, and where there's and, lots of doubt, shouldn't he make clear, shouldn't yeah. he make clear publicly that, listen, guys, you know, the science is the science and I'm not disputing that. COVID vaccines do reduce death and illness. Shouldn't he say that and make it clear? Because in the absence of a statement like that, when, you know, you're, you're platforming all these people, are you not stoking fears? No, no, like he, he, he doesn't mention it. He doesn't talk about the, our vaccines, good, bad, or, or indifferent. Yeah. He just says to impose them and as mandatory is an attack on people's 
fundamental rights to bodily integrity. But does that omission, that omission, that 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 says something though, doesn't it? You know that he won't, he won't make a statement about that the vaccines work. Like why won't he say that? He doesn't talk on they're good, bad, or indifferent. He doesn't have to. He doesn't want Terhez to be talking about whether vaccines work or not. He wants to focus on civil liberties. He wants to focus on the human rights argument. And that's stronger ground for them to win. He doesn't want to get dragged into talking about whether vaccines work or not, because obviously the actual facts and evidence is overwhelming that there are net benefits to the people who take them. One of Kelly's well-known political positions is that he's very pro-life and anti-abortion. So one phrase that he used when talking to you took me by surprise. Remember during the, the referendum in Ireland, my body, my choice? Well, he's basically basically saying that. Do, that's a little bit ironic for you, though, isn't it? To have a my body, my choice uh, kind of... Well, it, it, isn't it? Because, uh, because suddenly all that, uh, that mantra from a few, a few years ago has gone very, very quiet. And and for you, you've taken it up. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Okay, listen, thank you so yeah, much. I appreciate your, your time. Uh, it, it, it is your body and, and not someone else's body. Mm-hmm. I see. Got it. Okay, thanks, Herman. I appreciate it. Okay, Sorry to interrupt you when you were no, with your kid. No, 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 no. Okay, all the best. Bye now. Bye-bye. 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 I think he's trolling. I think, uh, you know, he's trolling for sort of Twitter outrage by using that phrase um, in a bid to get attention for himself. He knows that it will annoy people. And on top of that, you know, one of the points that I put to him was, um, you know, there's a limited amount of medical resources. So if you have lots of people saying my body, my choice and choosing not to take a vaccine and then a certain percentage of them end up in ICU, end up in hospitals and end up needing like huge efforts to keep them alive by doctors. Then you have a situation where other people who may have chosen to get a vaccine but were in an accident from no fault of their own, like a car crash or something, then get substandard care because there's only so much medical resources to go around. And so then your decision does impact on others. That's all for today. Thanks to Naomi O'Leary. You can read all her reports from Brussels on irishtimes.com. In the News is back on Friday.